Well, good morning, Whitewater. Man, uh, Keith was sharing a little bit about yesterday. Um, if you were at the one child Christmas party or you've had anything involved with it, uh, you know how special it is. And uh, would you just give the people who have been putting time, energy, and effort just a hand? We appreciate you guys so much. It really is a joy to, to be a part of that. And uh, we've got uh, more stories and pictures and things to come in the next coming weeks. And uh, it's really cool how God uses our church in that partnership. Um, there are, we might, do, we have a, do we have a few pictures up there? No, no pictures. Okay. <laughs> Wasn't sure if you had any. Just checking. Um, so uh, one of the things about One Child that I love is uh, you just see uh, when you walk into the building, it starts off, it's 10 o'clock and uh, we, we, uh, we actually were able to use the building up at Bethany Baptist. They let us use it for free and we, we just organized this whole thing. And you walk in and there's a sea of smiles. All these kids. We had uh, 580 kids that we were serving at this thing, you guys. It was the biggest one we've ever done. We had individualized gifts for all of them. Uh, and there was families to boot, so there's over 800 people. Uh, we had uh, BJ's up, you know, up on South Hill. Uh, they catered the whole thing. They heard about it, uh, and they just they just came in and uh, made it a fantastic event. Um, it was so incredible, but it was just so cool to see families. It's like a family reunion for all the people in Olive Crest. That's the, uh, that's the organization that we're partnering with, and it's, it's a family. So all these foster care families see each other different parts of the year, and they're going through ups and downs and all the challenges of taking care of kids and with really challenging backgrounds. And um, we, I mean, we found out that there was, um, there was, a, there was a girl there, 15 years old, um, recently got placed, and she she got her first Christmas gift she's ever gotten at 15 years old yesterday. Um, and part of you is like, wow, that gives me joy. The other part, just it, it's crushing because you, you, you just don't realize uh, the stories that are going on in people's lives. You know, sometimes we're just not aware of what's really going on. And it was so incredible to see all these kids just smiling and they're with Santa. And I don't know, I don't know if uh, Keith mentioned that, but he was Santa. And there are all these kids, most of them happy. I only saw two or three crying, right, Keith? Um, the rest were happy. He even had kids bring him notes for Santa and give it to him. They were so excited. And uh, we had a hair salon. We had the bouncy houses. Uh, we had, uh, we had downstairs someone doing caricatures of kids. So they were, had pictures of themselves running all over the place. It was just so incredible. Um, it was like the, just a little glimpse of the kingdom of God just kind of sprouting up and peel up in an incredible way. And I love being part of that. And if, you, um, if you've been a part of Whitewater very long, uh, you've, been, you've been traveling on this, this series with us called We Bless. Um, you might have noticed that there's, uh, there's paperwork on all the chairs today. And I just wanted to make you aware of, of just a few things before jumping into the sermon. We've been doing this series called We Bless, learning how to be a personal blessing, a local blessing, and then a global blessing. And um, 
if you kind of pick this up, this is a survey that really is for you. If you have time to fill it out today or you can fill it out and bring it back next week um, and just, you know, put it in the offering box at the end or uh, I think the, there would be too many to put them in the, in the offering as they go by, but just bring them to the back and pop them in there. Um, what this is, we want to know what is, what, what are your passions? Where maybe are you already blessing in your life? What areas do you care about in your community, in your local area? How are you already serving? And, you know, how can we get connect, people connected? We might see themes in our church. We want to know, man, hey, do, are there people out there who really, really care uh, about underprivileged um you know, and disadvantaged people, or are there, are there people that are really, really passionate uh, about um, occupational empowerment or helping people uh, gain literacy and, and educate people? We want to know what, what the passions and giftings and areas of blessing in our church that are already going on, because it'd be easy to say, we're going to go do this, but I want to say, hey, what's already going on and how can we connect people? How can we connect groups so that we can have greater and greater impact? If you turn uh, to the back page, you'll, you'll notice those eight rivers and eight deserts that we've identified as a church, and I won't go through all of it, but we've, we've identified eight rivers of blessing we want to bring into these areas of desert. And um, w- the thing we did yesterday with one child, it really fits in the category of underprivileged assistance. And could you imagine with me over the years, like say, let's say over the next uh, two to three years, as our church gets stronger and stronger at local blessing, that we have partnerships and we as a church are doing incredible things in all of these areas just like we were yesterday. So not just one child, but other areas of blessing. Could you imagine having partnerships and energy going out in the community? Um, I truly think that river of our church could bring flourishing in an incredible way to our local area. Could you imagine what that would look like? I just get excited about that. So um, we're going to continue showing videos of what people are doing. Uh, We're going to continue working toward this end. But if you wouldn't mind filling this out, we're going to have two worship songs after I I preach where maybe you can um, fill this out quickly and, and turn it in as you go or take it home and fill it out. Um, the other, the only other announcement I wanted to make before jumping in is, uh, my wife w- would not be happy with me if I didn't mention this, but we're having a ladies' Christmas party for the ladies, ladies. <laughs> um, and uh, my my wife and these gals that are putting it together are really excited about it. It's going to be December twelfth. You can grab a, a flyer in the back. This is a great opportunity to invite somebody who might not be used to church or just uh, needing friendship, needing to get connected. And it's people for people outside our church and inside our church. Uh, come to this, check it out, um, and uh, enjoy that. Um, let me say a word of prayer, and we'll get going. Father God, thank you so much. For all the cool stuff you're doing um, in the world around us, Lord. It's so easy to see the negative. It's so easy to see the problems. But Lord, I, I pray that you give us eyes to see your kingdom growing up right in front of us. Your, your love and your joy and your peace that's at work in the world around us. Holy Spirit, help us to sense your presence. Would you help us to align our hearts and lives with truth today? Would you speak to anybody who's been low? And maybe when the Christmas season comes, it's not a joyful time, it's a hard time. Would you, would you encourage them today? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, we talk about Whitewater being a place to belong before you even believe. And uh, I want to share something with you that is very practical today. It might not seem that deep to you, but, but the more you unlayer the heart of Christ, I, I think that this very practical 
very real, very tangible aspect of the kingdom of God is one of the most important pieces to creating a community where people can actually belong before they believe. We often have people come in and they just love being loved. We love belonging. We love receiving the acceptance of God. One of the hardest things is to learn to be a community and to learn to be individuals who not only receive the belonging and the acceptance of God, the belonging and acceptance of the community here, but we, we learn to give that acceptance and belonging to other people. How many of you guys know it's easy to receive, it's hard to give? That's what I want to be talking about to you, with you guys today. How do we continue building a church where belonging becomes so natural, just pours out of our lives? And I'm just going to jump into a story of Jesus. Many of you guys might have heard this story. This is a core story at Whitewater. This is one of the, the stories that really um, the paradigm of our church, the mental model of our church is based off of. It's John chapter 4, and Jesus has a conversation with a Samaritan woman. Um, and just to set this up, we're going to be talking about the back end of chapter 4. In the beginning, Jesus sends his disciples into a village to go get food, uh, to be his disciples, to do disciple things. And while they're away, uh, a woman comes to the well that he's sitting and resting at. And, and she's Samaritan. She's a woman. She's alone. Um, and so everything about this scenario says a Jewish man would never associate with a woman who's come to this well alone. One, if she's alone, it, it, it kind of says that maybe she's a social pariah, that there's, she's not with the other women. That's not normal. And so in her community, there's something that has kind of created in her an outcast. And so she's alone. Something's wrong. Uh, with that socially. And then Jesus is Jewish. In this day, the Samaritans were the enemies. I mean, it's a worse kind of enemy than a Seahawk and a 49er. It is a terrible kind of enemy. And they wouldn't associate with one another. Also, she's a woman, Samaritan. In this day and age, men didn't associate with women. Back in this day and age, uh, women's testimony sometimes wouldn't even hold up in court based on their gender. And Jesus, if you know anything about Whitewater, he looks beyond all the fences, all the, all the walls, and he begins digging a well of love and grace and acceptance. And he starts talking with this gal. They end up having a spiritual conversation over, who knows, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, that changes her life. And she, uh, she gets up and begins to run to uh, the village to share what's happened. So I want to pick up with where Jesus had this conversation with her. She realizes that Jesus is the Messiah. She realizes that she has acceptance in Jesus and, um, and everything changes. And so here we are picking up in chapter four, starting in verse 27. Jesus, uh, just then Jesus' disciples come back and they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to say, well, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? They were thinking it. They didn't say it. Do you think the woman picked up on their um, reticence, their judgment? Can you pick up on people when you walk into a room when you're wanted or not? I used to walk into the room. My parents would be talking about disciplining me. I wouldn't know that, you know, or talking about some of their frustrations about something going on that I wasn't supposed to hear. And I'd walk in and the room, you could like cut the tension with a knife. You could just sense that. And so I'm, I'm, I'm sure she wasn't unaware of their kind of like, what is going on? Something's not right here. Look. And, um, 
the, the woman is trouble to them. Uh, she's got obvious issues. She's the wrong ethnicity. She's the wrong gender. She's the, the wrong religion. And uh, in that moment, verse 28 says, The woman left her jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone from her village, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? I love that. She drops her, her, her jar. She goes to the well to get water. She meets Jesus, gets living water, doesn't need that, that jar anymore, runs back to the village, is forgetting the, the physical reality because she sees a whole new spiritual reality, runs back to the village and tells everybody, come and see this man who's told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And what I think she's really getting at is saying, look at there was a man I met who, who didn't reject me like all of you. Because if you know her story, she's been rejected by men. And, and not treated well by her village. And she goes, there's a person who knows the worst of me, knows all my darkness, knows all my sin, and yet didn't reject me. Could he be the one? And tells her, her village. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Because they're like, this doesn't make sense. Like, this is an unacceptable situation with an unacceptable woman. But it... What is going on? So they run out with her. Now, meanwhile, the disciples uh, were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. Have you ever had a moment where a sibling or a child or a friend is just totally oblivious to the situation going on? You ever had a moment where, like, uh, something very tense? Like, uh, one time there was, I was driving, and there's, like, all these cars. They're swerving. There's someone sliding. And, and I, as I'm driving, my, my wife wanted to talk about, like, uh, what we should have for dinner. And I was just, I was not wanting to get frustrated or upset. But I was, I couldn't care less about dinner. I just wanted to live as we were driving down this, this, this road. And, um, and Jesus has these disciples who are, Rabbi, eat something. And Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Uh, and then his disciples look around. They're like, did someone bring him some food while we were gone? And they're worried about this physical reality. He's like, you're missing the spiritual reality of what's going on. The irony is that the disciples thought that the, the woman had been bugging Jesus. And they don't realize that they are actually bugging Jesus. They think, man, man, that woman must have really ticked him off, you know, like, and he needs to eat, and we need to take care of these things, and Jesus is like, you're missing the spiritual reality of what's going on. And then Jesus gets to the heart of this. He says, you know, um, or he says in 34, Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of my Father who sent me, and from finishing his work. I've got work to do. Well, what is that work? Well, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvesting, but I say, wake up, look around you. The fields are already ripe for the harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages. The fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? You know the saying, one plants another, another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others already had done the work. And now you'll get to gather the harvest. He's saying, I did some work. That woman has done some work. We've been planting seeds. We've been seeing the harvest. We've been working in the fields. And now you get to be part of the harvest. If you'll open your eyes, you'll get to be part of some amazing work. And you'll get to reap all the benefits of work you did nothing for. 
you didn't do anything for this harvest. Isn't that interesting that Jesus is talking to these disciples who've been walking with him for quite a while now and he's having to teach them this? And the contrast here is the, the men go to the village and what do they bring Jesus? Bread, right? They bring him bread. Here's the bread, Jesus. The result of what, bread is the result of a harvest. But Jesus sees a spiritual harvest and he wants to make a spiritual bread that they can't see. That's the irony of this story. And the woman goes back to the village and what does she bring back with her? She brings back her whole town. She brings everybody that's willing to come. She shares her story. She says, come with me. And she brings the harvest. So when Jesus says, look, he's talking about the people who are coming. And he's like, dummies, listen up. Can I say that? And that's Jesus talking to his disciples. So what, what's going on here? What I just want to spend 15 minutes talking with you guys about is this. Jesus is trying to train his disciples to be soul farmers, to be spiritual farmers, to see that that there's work to be done right in front of them that they're missing. And this is a, a, a really important lesson for his disciples and for our church. I think if we get this lesson right, we will see a harvest like you and I couldn't believe. Um, so let's jump in. There's three things, uh, three lessons I think that Jesus are really, is really hitting on to teach them to become soul farmers. And the, the three lessons are seeing the fields, planting seeds, and bringing in the harvest. Let's start with see the fields, learning to see the fields. I think this is so incredible. In John 4, 35, he, he says, I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The woman's bringing the village out. They couldn't even see the village. There's kind of this blindness that the, that the disciples had. If they had been in uh, their hometowns, if they had been in their, their own areas, their own boundaries, they, they would have seen people a lot easier. But they were in an area where they saw bread that needed, they saw the physical reality, we need to bring bread. Um, we, uh, we see barriers around us, so they saw the barriers of Samaritans in this village and these foreigners. And, and, they, and because of those barriers, they saw bad people contrasted to being good people. So they had all these barriers that they were seeing. And Jesus is teaching them to look beyond those barriers to the people. Wake up. Look around. The, the fields are actually ripe right now. And he goes on in, four, in John 4.36, The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is what? What is the harvest? It's people. One of the things we have to remember here at Whitewater is that God's business, God's work, God's harvest is all about people. People matter to us because people matter to God. And we have to learn to see them. And we have to learn to see beyond the physical. We have to look beyond the annoyances. We have to look beyond the barriers. We have to look beyond what the world says. It's us against them. It's the bad people over there and the good people over here. And, and Jesus is, is knocking down all those walls, all those barriers. And he's helping us see people as they are, who they are, and, and, and see them as God sees them. So the problem is, is it's us. 
if we have a people, if we're not uh, seeing life change happen in our church, it's not because God doesn't want it. It's not because God isn't powerful to do it. It's often because we have an, a, a, an issue with our vision. Now I'm colorblind. I, I struggle with vision. I don't understand why all my friends like to make fun of it because it's a disability. I can't believe you'd make fun of a disability like colorblindness. Um, but I'll tell you what, I got these new glasses for colorblindness. And when I put those glasses on for the first time, I all of, a, all of a sudden understood why my wife did not like moss in the yard. Because I had never been able to see it. I used to work, you know, in lawn care and it used to irritate me. There would be these people that are like, they're so finicky about like the moss in their yards and I could never really see it. I put these glasses on and boom, it became so clear. Like, it, did you guys know moss is like neon green? <laughs> It's whether it's on trees or it's in the grass, it is so green. I remember just like when I put these glasses on, we went walking through the woods and we were walking in the park, and I just I would just stop and my family would keep walking, and I'd just be like looking at a tree. I think people when they'd pass me think I was on an acid trip or something, but I'd just be staring at a tree because it was so vivid and Jesus is trying to like hey put the lenses of the kingdom on look and see what I see like there are there are opportunities where you see barriers there are people where you see enemies we have to learn to see the field that's where the harvest is um one of the most important ways we see people the way I see people is learning to pray for them. God, would you reveal? Would you reveal? Would you reveal? And when I begin praying for people, all of a sudden I start seeing the people in my life that God wants me to talk to. All of a sudden I see the woman at the well. All of a sudden I can start seeing the village that's coming out and I'm like, oh man, they're here. And this is much to my shame as your pastor. When I moved in to our new place, we've been living there about eight, nine months uh, I had a neighbor who kept coming over and he was taking our garbages in and, and he was just super kind and I was like, this is really great. But I didn't ha- we hadn't had time to have them over and normally we would, we, you, but we've been in the season with my daughter. She just started kindergarten and it's been so busy with church and there's all these reasons. And, you, and then you come over and uh, you have conversations. He was brought over like jam and brought over like really, really good food to us. And um, whenever he goes out to get his... Um, uh, his mail, we'd, you know, I'd see him and we'd have a conversation. He'd always come up and engage me. Just the nicest neighbor. Uh, so helpful. And we, we share a driveway. And, and, it, and one day we're talking and he goes, you know, hey, I just, I found out you're a pastor. I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, I actually went online, watched your, uh, your, your videos there. He's like, it's so cool. And your sermons, like, that's really neat. And I'm like, oh, this is really neat. And like, it hadn't dawned on me quite yet. Like the Lord's like, hey, dummy, I've brought him to you. Have a spiritual conversation, and uh, and you know I've been praying for these things, and probably not as much as I should have, and uh, and and he was like, yeah, actually, I have some friends that that really need you know kind of some of the stuff you're talking about. So I told my friends about your church, and you know, you know my boss, and I and I told them they need to watch some of these videos. And this guy hadn't even been to our church. He's loving on my family, and he's telling people about my church, and I haven't even shared Jesus with him yet. What a dummy! I'm just like these disciples. I like to think like I'm like Jesus, you know, like sitting at the well. And, I, I, and God was just like, hey, wake up. See the fields. Are there people in your life and in my life that we're missing because we haven't been praying for them? God hasn't opened our eyes. Let's pray that God would open our eyes so that we see them. 
They're not, sometimes we'll be looking at mission fields way far away and people who are really difficult to reach when God has brought receptive, ready, ripe people, a harvest right now in our life. Who are those people? Um, if, you'll, if you've taken notes, you'll notice on the back of the notes, I have um, 10 uh, areas of prayer that you can be praying for with people in your life. This is an incredible prayer list. Uh, I want to encourage you to, to pray through these. Um, if you've got loved ones, uh, friends, neighbors that you want to come to know Christ, these are prayers that are biblical. There's a verse that shows you, uh, the, you know, where it is in Scripture and how you can pray for them. But I would encourage you to look at that and begin praying for your friends and loved ones or people that God has yet to bring to you to lead to Christ. Um, the second thing here is... Um, basically uh, learning to plant seeds, learning to plant seeds. And we've been talking a lot about this in our church, learning to be a blessing, sharing your shape, serving people. And I'm going to spend more time talking about spiritual conversations with you for a moment because we know that sharing our shape, serving people, being a tangible blessing, like planting seeds with our deeds is really important. Really important if we're going to reach people. But I feel like we've spent a lot of time on that. And, and it's, it's not only important to, to share deeds of, of God's kingdom with people, but also our words. And that's one of the scariest ones for many of us is learning to have spiritual conversations. Jesus sat down at the well and engaged the woman with spiritual conversations. I, I love this in, in John 4, 9. It says, The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? Why are you talking to me? Sometimes evangelism, which is the fancy word for learning how to have spiritual conversations about spiritual reality and help bring people to Jesus, Sometimes all it is, is defying people's expectations about what, who Christians are. It's defying people's expectations about what, what Jesus is all about. And I'm telling you, when we defy those expectations by crossing appropriate boundaries, not being uh, you know, socially inept, but like socially aware enough to like realize that someone has a need and to be engaging them, be engaging people where they're at, seeing if someone's going through a hard time and being willing to listen, being willing to ask a question. Like, th- that's not normal. We live in a world where most people don't have friends where they can talk about the deepest things going on in their heart. Sometimes I think when you read, have you ever read something on the internet or something on Facebook or something on social media that you're like, I don't think I'd ever write something like that and put that out there. That's often a sign that that person doesn't have close enough friends to be able to communicate heart to heart. We, have, we live in a world where, where people don't have friends where they can talk about deep spiritual things. They don't have friends who will pray for them. They don't have friends where they can open up about the hurts, the hang-ups, the habits in their life that are killing them, hurting them, that are worrying them, their, uh, the loss in their life or the, the people in their life that are struggling. And, and we are sent, like Jesus, into the world to have spiritual conversations, to plant seeds so that there can be a harvest. Amen? But we need to learn to see them so that we can engage them. And we need to have the courage to engage them. And spiritual conversations, I don't, you know, I don't know. I think sometimes there's like we don't see people and we don't see that this is an opportunity, like my neighbor, to start having these spiritual conversations. And by the way, my neighbor's come to Whitewater, loves Whitewater, and um, it's just so cool to see that progression. Um, 
But I think one of the biggest inhibitors to spiritual conversations is we're just afraid. Like we get afraid, like I don't, I don't want to offend and I don't want to overstep my boundaries and, or like, you know, my story's kind of lame or I, you know, I feel like I'm going to fumble all over myself. And so we won't engage in spiritual conversations because we're afraid. And I, I, when I pray and think about these things, you know, one of the convictions I come to is I don't want to, at the end of my life or at certain seasons, you know, have a conversation with the Lord, whether it's in prayer or I'm standing before him someday, because we're all going to have to give an account to the Lord for our lives, and, and have the conversation like, you know, you, I gave you all these people to have conversations with. And I, you know, I had other people as backup plans that could talk to him, but I gave you these opportunities. Why didn't you talk to this person and this person? And you thought I sent that person just to annoy you. I did, but I also wanted you to help them and to bring them to me. God is bringing all kinds of people to us. All kinds of, like the woman at the well, people you would never think that he wants us, he wants you to bring to Jesus. And it starts with spiritual conversations. And I, I, I want to get over my fear. I don't know about you, but I want to get over my fear and learn to tell my story well. Learn to ask good questions. Learn to like see where the point of hurt is and begin talking there. Uh, I have a f- friend, um, Bill, who went through tremendous loss. And I think many people in his life were afraid to talk with him about his loss. And one of his greatest needs wasn't to be told everything is going to be fine and there, there, there. But it's to let him vent and be angry and express his questions and have spiritual conversation. And when there was space made for him to say, okay, how are you doing with the loss? I would be so angry if I were you. What, what, what's going on? How are you feeling? And boom, boom, boom. He could speak about what was really going on and even express anger, uh, whether it's at God or these situations. He was able to express it. And it's so amazing that engaging in these spiritual conversations, that the, the conversation doesn't just stay there, it moves forward. Isn't that the interesting thing? If you think about your life, when you've been able to talk about spiritual things, it doesn't stay there. Like when we can talk about it, we can move forward with it. And now my, my friend is saying, man, I get more clearly than ever, I'm hearing God say to me, follow him. And, it, and move from that darkness and hardship and grief to now helping others and acknowledging that God's goodness is at work behind all things. And that is a huge contrast. And that conversation, conversation has taken years. But it just took engaging just having the conversation. I had someone recently say, like, I hadn't ever shared my, my story of coming to faith, you know, with my husband, who's not a person of faith. I've never shared that story fully. And I felt like, you know, now's the time. And it was an incredible conversation. Sometimes we feel like, oh, man, we got to wait, 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 wait. Plant seed, plant seed, plant seed. Sometimes it's just like, Nope. The harvest is here. Let's have the conversation. I'll open up. It takes vulnerability, doesn't it? To open up and have a conversation. It takes courage. I want to encourage you guys. Where are the spiritual conversations that you need to have? Who do you need to have them with that are in your life? Um, here's the last thing I want to talk with you guys about. I told you guys this would be very practical. But I'm telling you this. If we can get this right as a church, we will continue being a place of belonging.
People can't belong if they're not engaged. People can't belong if they don't felt seen and cared for and loved. And people can't belong if they're not invited. Uh, The last thing is bring in the harvest. You'll never do anything greater in your life than bringing somebody to Jesus. There's a lot of great things, a lot of spiritual moments, but I'm telling you there's nothing greater than bringing someone who doesn't know Jesus to Jesus. Bringing somebody who doesn't know Jesus on an experience, on a journey where they can start moving toward and with Jesus. I love this verse. Uh, John 4, it says, uh, Jesus says, come and, or excuse me, the woman at the well says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? Come and see. She gives an invitation. Sometimes we'll have spiritual conversations. Sometimes we'll love people. Sometimes we'll serve people. And we plant those seeds and we see people. And we do all this stuff. And we just see God moving and working in their life. And, but we never give the invitation. Do you want to come and meet Jesus? Are you ready to take a step of faith? Like how can I help you move forward? Like we never give an invitation. And this woman, the, one of the most dynamic thing she does is she goes and invites come and see she doesn't go like hey there's this man I met he's incredible he changed my life pretty awesome huh she invites the whole village would the village have come out to Jesus if she didn't invite them and bring them I love that it means so simple but how can you have a church of belonging if people aren't invited if they're not brought if we have belonging, there, there needs to be bringing. I, my daughter, one time, we were making these uh, party invites, and we were sending them out. And we were, I wasn't writing. My, my wife was writing. She's got the handwriting in the family. And we were doing these, these invitational invitations, personal invitations. And um, my daughter uh, looked up at me, and she said, Dad, if I'm going to uh, come to the party, you need to hand me one of those invitations. She didn't say, you need to... Facebook message me, you need to text me, and those, you know, I could work with some people. She said, you need to give me an invitation. There's something about a personal invitation, isn't there? Come join. Come be part of this. Some of the best and richest friendships I've had is when either me or they have given a personal invitation. Come join the party. Come join my family come join our lives and i want to encourage you if we are going to see a harvest and friends i think it's harvest time in our area i think we're headed into christmas where where people need more hope than ever i think we're headed into a family time where many people have family strife or no family at all i think we're headed toward christmas which is a season where people are more open and receptive to the gospel than ever and we're in a time where there's more division and darkness than ever i think people are looking for hope friends it is harvest time i think people want a personal invitation into something that is real something that is authentic and they might not know it yet but they want god i've heard it said that many people who are uh addicted to uh, alcohol or drugs. Many people are seeking God, but they're finding it in those, in those places, and they're looking for God. We have the answer. We know who Jesus is. We can introduce them to him. And so I want to encourage you guys to become inviters. 
You don't have to be bashful. Like sometimes we want to excuse, like, hey, I know, I don't want to, you know, I want you to feel pressure. I don't want you to feel this. And I want you to feel, we'll give like, a, you know, like all, the, all the reasons they don't need to come and then say, but maybe if you want to, you can come. Now, I've done that personally myself. Sometimes we just need to say, hey, you want to come? I'll come with you. Just, just come and experience this. Come and see for yourself. You don't have to, people can decline an invitation. How many of you guys know that, right? In our day and age, people love putting maybe on their invitations, right? Because <laughs> I don't want to miss out on something better. And you might get a lot of maybes, but at least you'll ask. Sometimes, I didn't realize this, but I, sometimes I, as I've learned to invite people into the kingdom of God and into my life, I found out sometimes people feel like if they're not invited, it means that you don't think that they're worthy to come. And I don't want anybody in my life to feel like I don't want them to have Jesus in their life. Does that make sense? Let's bring people. Because I'm telling you, there would be no one child. How many of you guys participated in one child? You guys saw those kids' faces. You guys are going to see the video. You guys see the joy that happens out of that. There is no one child Christmas party if we don't invite that community to come. There's, we could do the greatest party, but if we don't invite them personally and say hey this is for you this is for this community come to this party there would be no party it would just be for us that would be a very lame party very lame foster care community party with no foster care community there you have to invite them where's the village where's the woman at the well in your life that God is saying invite them friends we're having Brandon and Abby sharing their story Christmas Eve um, on Sunday and, and Monday, that Christmas uh, Eve weekend, we're having four services where we're going to show their story. It's incredible. Brandon, in the middle of, of recording, was just like, this is our story, and all we're doing, we're just testifying for what God has done. Sometimes people get so scared of sharing their story because they feel like it's got to be perfect. I've been talking with a, few, with a few friends about this in the last two weeks. And when we share our story, when we invite people in the life of Christ, when we have spiritual conversations, all we are doing is witnessing to what God has done. We don't have, a, have to be perfect storytellers. We don't have to be perfect you know, orators and you know, speech writers. All we have to do is, like this woman at the well, say, I met, there, there was an encounter and I met Jesus and this happened in my life. Or you could just say, man, I I don't, I don't know what, what all is going on in your life, but I know for me, God has, God has radically changed me. I want to bring you to that. Would you want to come? And I want to encourage you, this Christmas season, people are open. There's a harvest. Bring people. Invite them for Christmas Eve to come hear a story that can, could change their life. Um, I'm going to pray. We're going to worship. Um, as a church, if we get this right, we see change. We will, we will harvest what we plant. We will reap what we sow. And as a church, will we sow into the lives of people? Will we invite them? Because if we do, we're going to see transformation. And invitation always leads to transformation. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We're so grateful for you. Um, Father, would you use our church to bring people into the party, into the kingdom, into your love, into your joy. Lord, where people are struggling with sorrow, would you bring life and would you bring vision? Where people are struggling with, um, with selfishness, would you, would you 
pull them out of that? Would you help them see a bigger picture that it's not all about them? And to take the weight of sin and hurt, addiction, brokenness, whatever it is going on in their life, would you free them? Would you forgive them? Would you transform them, Lord? We want to be a church that sees transformation. Lord, we love you. Help us to pray for this. Help us to see the people. Help us to have the conversations, have the boldness and courage to have the conversations. And Lord, would we invite people into the great kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus. Amen.